bow, 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 bow. What's up, Gregory Crudson? <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. Uh, Hell yeah, that's me, Gregory Crudson, photographer. <laughs> yes, that's a name that has um, <clears throat> been rent-free in my head for fucking, I don't know how many years it's been, 15, 16, 17 years. Probably about that, yeah. I feel like... I feel like we probably found out about Crudson in 2005 or six. Yeah. So right. Yeah. That's uh, right around, right around violent horse days. Yeah. Thinking recently about how violent horse was cool. And I'm, I've been thinking about how, how well all the weird stuff that we did back then musically would have played now i feel like in the in the fucking hyper pop era all the all the weird shit that we did would have would have been better received like back then there just wasn't an audience for it because there weren't the platforms and there wasn't like the appetite for weirder stuff i don't think i don't know yeah no i think that's a good i think it's a good observation um yeah i, I i'll follow you down that I'll, I'll follow you down that opinion hole <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sir, is this your opinion hole? You've you've left it untended. <laughs> yeah. uh, most most opinion holes are un, 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 untended, my man. Opinion. <laughs> that's my that's just my opinion hole, man. Uh, God damn it! Uh, welcome everybody. It's Master Shake Theater. We're back. We've been here, but we're also back. The duality. Uh, it's. We're we're balls deep in fucking season three now. Uh, not to get not to get crass about it. Pardon my French and all. Um, we're talking today about uh, season three, episode four, G Wiz. Um, this episode aired August twenty second, two thousand four. Appears the show is like on at least a little bit of a streak of consecutive episodes at this point. And in this episode, Meatwad goes to a billboard and receives an unexpected gift that has a strange effect on his body terrifies the others. That's certainly one way of putting it. Uh, I'm your host, Jim, as always with me. Uh, we have Scott Ian's burner account. Um, thank you. Uh, thank you for, for joining us today and thank you in general. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how do we feel about this episode? Oh, fucking this speaking of burners this is a burner for sure um yeah i had a good time with this one yeah i agree i feel like yeah burner burner not derogatory right you could say burner about right. a thing as in like a burner phone like as in like it's throwaway um and i feel like that the the thing that's cool is that this episode like ceteris paribus could be a burner in a bad sense because it's definitely not on the same level of like absolutely unhinged frenetic nonsense that the that the season three episodes have been so far but yeah it's incredibly well crafted nonetheless uh, i think it's the the writers in in this new era showing some range um yeah i uh but there's there's more of that later on in the conversation more of that where that came from <laughs> more of that where that came from i for whatever reason um oglethorpe in this space kataz intro made me realize how like i just love andy merrill so much 
as a voice actor. Like, I truly think that, like, Andy Merrill is one of the darlings of this whole era of, of TV, obviously having done this and Brack and, you know, countless other things. So many bit characters on everything. Um, I, I just think that he's like this wonderful voice character actor that we really don't, that, that we really haven't seen anything on the order of since. I think he's so talented. And like, I think that he belongs for as much as, you know, somebody like H. Sean Benjamin gets so many accolades because his body of work has been so consummate. Like somebody like Andy yeah. deserves, deserves all the flowers you can throw at him. I think that's true. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I, I guess like, Maybe Andy Merrill is never really mainstreamed in the same way as 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 John Benjamin, but oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's and that's why he's he's not as uh, not as lauded. But you know, well, I mean, there's there's plenty of more shows to make. <laughs> that's true. I would like it if there were just like an Andy Merrill sense in 2023 for whatever reason. Um, <laughs> There, there are broader things in play that we'll talk about in a, in a few lines. Uh, a, a theme very much emerged uh, for me from this episode that I, is something that I've been talking about ad nauseum, like a senile boomer for the last couple of weeks anyway. Um, Meatwad saying, do a search for free pizza killed me. <laughs> like, we are, this still happens squarely in the era of like web search being a novelty, I think. Like, I think that maybe maybe this year or the next year is the year that it like you know we reached full google supremacy in the market and the sort of novelty of the web search tailed off and just be, it just became commonplace um mm-hmm. i think now it's interesting because now i think we're kind of at a post web search era which is something that we can talk we can unpack more um web, web search has become like such a banal and crass thing that like you only uh, there, there are so many other ways to uh, look for the things that you want or get the things that you want uh, served to you by some sort of algorithm. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know about want, but you, you definitely get the things served yeah, by to you. Yeah, you get you get things you get things served to you. Maybe they're not things that you uh, want. They're probably yeah. not you want. They're probably things you actually hate. Um, yeah more 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 yeah put me on the put me on the the hate the the hell band version of the algorithm please where i'm just saying things that i hate thank you uh, yeah let's I'm, go i'm on the hell band version of the algorithm literally all i get is ads for a fucking strive built on uh and and ads for dr squash soap because apparently <laughs> they don't they don't know that I've been an avid Duke Cannon user for the last two years, so I'm not using any of that soap that makes me a gay pussy. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I can't get over like there there there's something fucking hilarious about like there is something so almost almost fucking just like full on rugged naturalist anti-vax about the way that dr squatch soap gets marketed it's just like you use anything with a natural deodorant too it's like you use anything with chemicals in it it's gonna make your balls shrink up like raisins and fall off your body you fucking <laughs> like it's, it's yeah ridiculous. i i i uh i feel like we're having like a re-emergence of the um of like the 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 anti-chemical type um which is cool uh 
I feel like that was that was firmly a thing in like 1995 as well. Maybe yes. maybe it's like every 20 year cycle thing, just yeah, like 100%. everything else. Um, yeah, it's it's cool. Um, yeah, it's fun to it's fun to like mix that with like uh, toxic masculinity as well. That's a nice that's that's a nice new uh, dialectical version of yeah. this shit. That, that's, that's that's a nice new uh fucking sushi burrito of discourse <laughs> yeah. like, I, I, i'm just thinking of this because I, I don't know if you've seen the todd haynes movie uh safe um, i haven't yet it's bad it's on the list fucking crazy movie but uh yeah it's about like it, it, it it's it's a fantastic film um i it's not good for me because it was like disturbing to me for like a week um, uh, but is yeah. is very very cool fucking film but it's basically about this uh julianne moore plays this like woman who starts to suffer environmental illness and like becomes to believe it's because of like these chemicals and like and like the third act is basically this like fantastic like i won't say too much since i think you're gonna watch it, but um it's like fantastic like uh like like basically how, how do you turn illness into a business like like piece of shit stuff so yeah it's really fucking good um also truly disturbing film so um, sounds like a without without um without building the bridge too far it sounds like they're sort of an, an analog to a lot of this that the, a lot of the same voice of treatment that stuff gets in magnolia for instance i'm obviously drawing the mm-hmm. because of julianne moore as well but like yeah that's um I like, it should I like be around the same time period. Uh, 90, it was 95, I think it came out. Oh, fuck. Um, okay, yeah. Dude, even better than I love. A, I've been like 95 maxing this year. There's been like a, just like pop culture, <clears throat> from, pop culture from 95. I've been like hyper fixating on. I think it's a really special year. Um, yeah, yeah. Die Hard it's, with it's a good, man. And, and then lots of other good things. I feel um, like 95 in, in films was like peak peak uh glossy magazine until like until whenever uh until whenever fucking slumdog millionaire came out which is the most magazine movie ever fucking made um that's true yeah (laughs) obviously the best movie to come out in 95 was heat like that's 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 yeah right right and and heat is like heat is like shot like a magazine and it looks great Yeah, uh, and honestly, is, or the safe as well is like the most magazine fucking looking movie. It's it's very cool. And honestly, kind of same kind of Die Hard with a Vengeance for as much as like New York, for as much New York grit as it has, it's got the it 100 has has big. There's just something about the the color grading of things that that got put out in that general era that really much it you you nailed that it. it feels like it's the pages of a magazine. Like the yeah, equal parts gloss and grit in a way that an only a nostalgic magazine can provide. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, that I immediately love just the whole premise of this episode, which I think is going to be the thing that we play jazz with uh, here, is just standards and practices, political correctness, and the like heavy-handed uh, moral regulation of content. Right, like. This, this show has never been as explicitly in the business of cultural commentary uh, as it is on this episode. And it feels like it's dovetailing with our purpose on this show uh, in the meta commentary that we do in a weird, weird way. Um, I don't know. I, 
I think that this is this is really cool. Um, I think this is like a one of the most out of out of how evergreen this show tends to be. This is one of the things that sort of translates best to the current moment, right? Because we're kind of having the same type of discourse around culture war stuff now and at the tail end of 2022 as as they were trying to play play fucking hacky sack with in 2004 on this show and i think that's really special like yeah yeah i uh i i i mean i i (laughs) the fucking line by following the rules you're guaranteed to make a mediocre product that no one can relate to it's like like, (laughs) nothing has ever summarized 2022 like pop culture better than that um yeah like obviously it's pop culture's in this weird place where the stuff that there's a lot of unprecedentedly good stuff that's being made but it's all stuff that is iconoclastic and highly opinionated uh in a way that is so sort of in a way that is so artistic like overtly artistic that it that it insulates it from like sort of broader cultural criticism but the stuff that like the thing the thing that i that i can't the the thing that i'm mourning the thing that i'm having a really fucking hard time dealing with right now is that and it sounds grievance driven as fuck for me to even say this but i do feel like comedy is in a really really terrible spot right now um like we don't make comedic movies we don't there isn't fucking good fucking stand-up comedy um, besides James yeah. besides, besides James Acaster and um, whatever that one that one Chinese guy who's just Chinese Mitch Hedberg um, who's fucking awesome I forget it Sheng Sheng Wang I think his name is um, really great but <clears throat> like we the the broader thing that's happening I think and this is happening in you know again fluff popcorn cinema as well to a degree i think is we're letting fucking culture war sap the joy out of so many uh, out of so many things right like because everything now every every text that we create um has culture war blaring in the background right and everything gets made on either side of the aisle right i think that i think that all i think that any side of the ideological sort of wheel right now is equally guilty because everybody has the thought in the back of their head of um you know how is this going to be how is this thing going to be received in the context of culture war and you know who's going to fucking try to cancel me for making this um and you know who on the right is going to is going to fucking you know get into a fit of moral outrage about this thing um and then you have the even worse thing of people who you know make entire careers making texts that are exclusively based on grievance about that like and that's just (laughs) that fucking sucks. Like that's a terrible fucking cultural moment to be in. Like we're at a stage where now more than ever, like we need art, we need to laugh. We need texts that allow us to effectively escape from the hell world that we're in. Like, and it just sucks that that very same hell world is um, creating incentives that just sap all the fucking joy out of all those things that get made. Like, obviously there are some huge exceptions, but I, I just, I wish that, I wish that we were still making fucking stuff that was truly funny, I guess, at the end of the day. Yeah, I, I, I think we're in an interesting place because there's like 
clearly the like reactionary set of like old boomer ass sounding like comedian types like and you know whatever they can go be reactionary wherever the fuck they want who gives a shit right right um they're they're like their time is over and they're now on the like they're now on the like uh the 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 thesis side of the right dialectic or whatever um but i i do think like the yeah i do think we're at a place where there's where like we're like quote-unquote art is not happening because people are people are staring directly at the object instead of like instead of having like some kind of parallax view of it you know right and, like, oh, that's and, such and, a good point and and it's like yeah there's just no art there right and like but I, I do think we're at a time where like that's gonna like that's changing and you'll see like much more like I think I think tar um is like a good example of like a movie that's fucking hilarious if you can like you know fucking and 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 heartbreaking and, and excellent but like it, and it never it never stares directly at the object it never like it, it's always just kind of like side law or like, like a like a uh what's the word i'm looking for like um it's coming in at like a non-direct tra- trajectory yeah and, it's and that's what makes it fucking art oblique yeah thank you thank you um yeah it's like a, a, like much more oblique like it's like how you can't see andromeda or whatever if you look at it directly but you can always see it kind of at the corner of your corner of your eye yeah. and like i think that when we're in these like artistic upheavals people tend to like try to stare the thing directly in the face and it's just like it just becomes like tedious and academic instead of like playing with your fucking brain in a more interesting way um so, yeah for the last for the last maybe five or six years culturally and it might maybe longer but definitely over the last three or four we have been doing the cultural version of Trump staring directly into the sun, right? Like with, uh, right. <laughs> with, with, because the object itself gets shoved across our desk dozens of times a day. Um, and we're in a set of circumstances where we're forced to constantly stare at it and reckon with it. And it's, a, you develop agenda fatigue uh, with your ability to analyze and criticize objects when you're constantly assaulted with the rawest forms of them you know what I mean like like that's like when you when you have a fucking media cycle and up in, in patterns of discourse that are constantly ramming um, you know things that are presented as axiomatic truths uh, and things that are highly ideologically charged often under the guise of being value neutral constantly fucking ramming those things down your throat you, you get you get fucking tired uh, and you lose the ability to engage with anything in a way that is that is critical or whimsical or anything in between anything that has any sort of like meta discursive hot sauce and it just goes out the fucking window and like it's so important to use those those angles of approach if you actually want to consume the things that the world is bringing to you in a way that makes them you know uh bearable Right. Which is like my discourse patterns are always focused on like taking whatever the fuck is getting shoved down my throat that given day and putting it in the biggest set of scare quotes possible. Mm-hmm. That's that's of my entire fucking modality of interacting with media and, and consumerism in the world is, especially on this pod. And it's it's awesome. Um, but I, I do think that we're entering a moment. I think you're right. We're entering a moment where people are regaining the ability to do that because we we have gotten, we have gotten exhausted by our like very authoritarian and literalist treatment of media texts and figures that with 
that was sort of the holding pattern that we were stuck in, I think, for like, you know, at the, the, the Trump years. Yeah. And I think like, I think like stand up comedy in particular, you're, you're right, is like, it, it, and it's, it's just like people haven't found like, it, and these people are definitely out there, but like we're still trying to find like who's, who's replacing the old reactionary boomer, like, or that's really their Gen X set of uh, comedians. Um, there's also reactionary boomer comedians, but who really gives a shit about them? But like, yeah, they're like they're they're ancient history at this point. It's the Gen yeah. X ones that you got to worry about, and then and there are certain Gen X comedians like like Bill Burr that I think are doing like a really fantastic job of synthesizing, um, you know, actual Bill Burr. That's that uh, character from uh, Lord of the Rings, Bill Burr Baggins. Yeah, Bill Burr uh, Baggins. Fuck, <laughs> Australian Australian version of. Uh... Of, 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 uh, of Lord, Lord of the Rings or The Hobbit, sorry, not Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I'm gonna um, get dinner at the comedy club. I'm gonna get some Bill Burgeps. Uh, <laughs> gosh, okay. uh, yeah, I, I can't like, fucking ever hear Bill Burr's name without thinking Bilbo Baggins. Bilbo Baggins. <laughs> Bill Burr. It's just an Australian saying Bill Burr ba- Bilbo Baggins. A <laughs> <laughs> name just kills me every time I, I, I hear it. I'm like, I'm like because like, I think I mostly hate because like like half of my D and D crew is Australians and like so we're always talking about fantasy shit anyway. And, That's incredible. Uh, and I was like, Bill Bear, you know. <laughs> like, today, I, today I learned that you one play D and D and two play it with a bunch of Australians. That's sick as hell. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's awesome. Wow. I guess you are. I guess you are Scotty and you are Mister Worldwide. So that does make sense. <laughs> um, I I love that. You know, having my constant Elvis discourse, I love that uh, Elvis died on the commode. Oh the thing that happened, I was like fucking losing my fucking mind. Um, and we I wrote that down. It. I was like, fuck yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, more Elvis discourse. And there's two other things I gotta call it at at, at ten. Um, but G- Jesus being Ted Nugent is something the rare thing that happens in this show that couldn't happen now because of how fucking canceled dead Nugent is. Um, or I, I think almost rightfully so. Although. Yeah, oh yeah, you know, certainly. Yeah. Yeah. Although it, it is, it is funny and I think kind of charming and cool that people from Detroit refuse to cancel Ted Nugent people from Detroit across the, an ideological spectrum refuse to abandon, refuse to abandon him. And I do think that that's ultimately beautiful in a way because for his like Ted Ted Nugent is beyond the line of my, like my judgment line of like I can I can cancel somebody for having shitty ideas because he weaponizes them on a platform. Um, but I do generally think it's like bad praxis to like cancel somebody for having shitty ideas. Um, it, it yeah. <laughs> so that yeah, I think that's a good point. Yeah. Um, but um, but that being said, no, the Nuge cameo is fucking great, um, and it's a good that that is a good encapsulation of like well we've come a long way culturally i think in ways that are i would say mostly good but there is the there, there's the downside that like it's way less it's way less easy to do fucking stuff that's objectively funny but it would hurt people's butts too bad um and that's fine um it's that's the price of progress uh i i just hope that we don't like we 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 don't get it too hard reversed in the other direction because of how shrill um some of it has been um 
all yeah. the last thing under the mantle of cancelable stuff and this is sort of this band in particular and the discourse around it has been sort of my like uh bully pulpit vis-a-vis what i consider to be like the 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 line in the sand for cancel culture is i love that meatwad says i'm afraid that would be a vulgar vulgar display of his power which is a pantera reference uh and i love talking about pantera and how fucking stupid it was five years ago when people were trying to cancel people for liking pantera thank you it's the uh it's the fall so i'm in my pantera dude um and then, and when it becomes spring i'll be in my shorts era uh it's um, gonna be great just a reminder that uh that we are running a promo um online right now where if you go to our website uh which is mastershakepod.com um you can you can order our uh our our pantera pantera bread uh happy meal box uh it's got a shirt it's got a shirt a hat and a french baguette uh so thanks thanks. for making a thanks for making a 2004 ji reference uh where he just always called panera bread pantera bread so it's it's, you you must you must call panera bread pantera bread there's no other option vulgar display of flour Uh, okay that's um last thing i'll say is um uh, I absolutely loved when uh, when fucking Shake says, "I work, I got jobs," uh, and yes. it's one hundred percent just twenty twelve me. Uh, yes, it's one hundred percent just twenty sixteen me. So yeah, relatable. Like, <laughs> like everybody's like, "What are you doing? What the fuck are you doing?" I'm like, "I work, I got jobs." Yeah, um, me post grad school, exact same thing. So funny yeah um good shit good shit man good shit kibble and bits thanks scott thanks scott ian for joining us um good to be here keep having big facial hair and and a nice bedside manner uh talk to you you soon bye everybody